0: This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by X. Today's guest was raised in Brazil, but lives in Canada today. He's been working professionally as a photographer for the last 10 years, and he describes his style as a mixture of portrait, lifestyle, and sensual photography. And I've got to say, his work is absolutely gorgeous. It really is. Music and movies are his main source of inspiration, And he's been working on the Diaries Project for the last three years, which will be culminating in a book. I'm talking about Joanne Gerdes. And before I welcome Joanne to the show, I want to say a big thank you to the Image Salon for sponsoring the show. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the Image Salon later in the episode. It's time to welcome Joanne. Welcome, mate.
1: Oh, hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me here.
0: Mate, it's a pleasure. So tell me a little bit about what you do and where you're based and why you're based there.
1: Well, as you mentioned before, I'm a Brazilian photographer. I was raised in Brazil. I lived most of my life there. And also most of my professional career I spent in Brazil as well. I'm from a small city in southern Brazil. It's called Londrina, which is not a very small city, but it's it's not a major city like Sao Paulo or Rio. And I graduated in marketing and advertising. So I started my career as a photographer a few years after graduating. And for me, it was more logic to go into the advertising industry because I knew how it worked. I had a previous experience working with advertising agencies and understanding their workflow. So I worked most of my life as an advertising photographer, shooting mainly portrait photography for advertising campaigns. And after a few years in that business, uh, I started to feel like (laughs) really tired about it. I didn't want to be someone just, uh, you know, shooting and or clicking for a creative director or, (laughs) I don't know, for an agency who created all everything. And I was just there to execute the job, you know. And then I started feeling like, yeah, I needed to do something different and start something personal that would be something as a creative outlet. I moved to, for a while, for a few years, i lived in Montreal. At a time, I worked with uh, different photographers there, uh, fashion, advertising, and uh, creative photographers as well. And what inspired me the most about their work was not how successful or, or uh, their business was. Uh, it was all about how much they care about their personal work and their creative process. And I said, okay, I need to do something <laughs> about my career as well. I need to do something that inspires me. Well, a few years later, after struggling and thinking and, you know, (laughs) and I don't know, thinking more and more, I started what I call the later, the Diaries Project, which is basically a personal project where I, I portrayed the intimate women's world in a very kind of voyeuristic and, uh, cinematographic way of approaching, kind of telling a story about intimate life. So nowadays, I'm living in Vancouver. I moved here a, a year ago from Brazil. So I lived in Montreal, then I went back to Brazil. And then I have a kid and my wife, so we decided to move back to Canada. We miss it here. <laughs> missed the winter. <laughs> Snow and uh, cloudy and, uh, you know, gray days. I'm, no, I'm joking. But, I, we <laughs> but we really missed Canada, so we wanted to come back and we moved this time to Vancouver. So I've been here for a year now, and yeah, it's kind of a starting over, you know, my career here. Pretty exciting.
0: Awesome. So when you were shooting for these advertising agencies, is that right that you don't get any creative input? You really are just executing. You're taking the shot as the art director says you need to take it.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of it, yes. And for me, it was basically almost 100% of my work just executing it. You know, So you get a layout. So basically what happens is a very strict business process where you have an art buyer who gets a quote from you say oh we need a quote for you to shoot a campaign we need uh, I don't know styling someone to produce a set and everything so normally the photographer will take care of all the details so I would hire an executive producer to take care of all these details and then they would send me a layout telling me exactly what they needed and I would just go there and do Basically, what I needed, so I felt for kind of a long time that I was just there solving uh, problems you know because that 's what it was you know they gave me something <laughs> that was normally challenging, and I would just find a solution to get to that result, you know so for example, shooting in a studio, so then they could post-process it and blend the images with a beach, you know, a background with a beach, sunset and the girl. So the girl was shot in the studio and he needed to look at real sunset and real lighting. So it was basically, you know, like, uh, so it was challenging. It was exciting at some point, but it became, yeah, it became repetitive, you know, a little bit frustrating when it came to- Yeah, to having my own voice, you know, many, most, but yeah, then there are photographers that that shoot commercial work and they are hired for their style. And that is different, you know, because then you're going to have a brand that says, okay, I need that style, that photographer. They will still have less voice, you know, in the process, you know, a lesser voice in the process, but their styles will still be present in the shoot you know so yeah that's a different approach as well
0: okay look I interviewed Nathan Elson who's also based in Canada a little while ago and yeah he seems to book these commercial jobs based on his style so it sounds like a different sort of a setup more like the second style you're describing there
1: yeah and that's what I realized when I worked in Montreal with uh advertising photographers and fashion photographers what I realized is that they would spend I don't know half of their time shooting personal work so they could promote their own style and then later on be hired to do what they like to do or what they're good at. In Brazil, we have this huge advertising industry, which is probably one of the biggest in the world, but it's very, very strict and very commercial. So it's all about budget, money, and uh, getting it right. So there is very, very little space for any creative input. from the photographer, which is a lot different from, for example, from North America or uh, Canada. I don't know how is it in Australia, you know, but the industry in Brazil is very like, I don't know, I feel like commercial photographers in Brazil, they don't have a particular style. They are just hired to, because they're good at something. For example, if you're good at shooting food or cars or lifestyle or portrait, then you're going to be considered... Among a certain amount of photographers, and then they will, you know they will ask a quote from you, and whoever gets the, offered offers the best, you know, I probably will get the job. So it's it's a lot different. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: So when you're doing all this advertising style and commercial shooting, were you already doing or working on your own personal projects?
1: No, and that's the thing, you know, uh, it's really strange because starting, you know, in the, in the photography industry or world. When I was in my first year in university, so like almost uh, 18 years ago. And then at the time I shot film, but I didn't do any professional work. I just, I just loved it, you know, shooting. And then when I graduated, I went to Europe to study, I went to Europe to do a master's there in advertising, and then went back to Brazil, got married, and then went to Denmark, and in Denmark, my wife was studying, and I was just—I had just had a lot of free time, you know. <laughs> so it was exactly the time, you know, the transition between film and digital was 2004. So that's the time when uh, the first digital cameras, professional digital cameras, showed up, like the accessible ones, like I don't know, Rebel, I don't know, 300D or something, you know, I don't remember the names, or a D50 from Nikon. And then I, I got myself a digital camera and started shooting again and studying photography again. I'm a self-taught photographer, so at the time I just had a lot of time, so started studying again. And then when I went back to Brazil in 2006, yeah, 10 years ago, I got into the industry working for a few photographers, and then I started to do my own work after that. And for me, it was all about work and living and making money out of it so I could pay my <laughs> my bills. At the time, I don't know, I didn't think about doing creative work. Actually, it was so consumed by work that I didn't even... You know, realize how involved I was in it that I didn't have any personal work. So only when I moved to Montreal did I realized okay, now <laughs> this is not good, man. <laughs> uh, can I swear here? <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> it was that bad, was it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, pretty fucked up. You know, like I felt like uh, nobody. I felt like uh, I was just like uh, any. I was doing any kind of trade, you know, like you just just go there and do your job and. And leave, you know, so I didn't feel like a creative person. So that's what kind of drove me to the diaries project, you know, some that kind of frustration.
0: Is the diaries project, is this your first personal project?
1: Oh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, formally speaking. Yeah, yeah, it's a first personal project. I had other ones before that, but they didn't go through.
0: (laughs) What was one of the other ones that didn't happen or didn't work?
1: Well, when I moved back to Brazil, I love music, you know, so when I was a kid, I had a band, my brother had a band, so I knew everybody from the music industry, actually in Brazil, you know, so I started shooting bands, and then I got broke, because bands, they they don't have money, you know, (laughs) to pay it. so I started shooting bands uh, as a personal project, so I realized it, it wouldn't give me any money, so I needed to work, so I started working with advertising, and then I quit shooting bands, you know, as a personal work I loved it. I loved the idea of exploring that, you know, and, and bands, they're open, you know, to new ideas. Yeah, I worked with it for a while, for a few months, you know, and shot quite a lot of bands, not proud of my work from that time, <laughs> but, but uh,
0: yeah. What was the plan with those images? So you shoot in these bands, you know, you can be creative, you can try things, you know, is there a vision to create a book and have an exhibition? What were your thoughts back then?
1: Yeah, actually, I did an exhibition in, in Brazil with my work with the bands at the time. So, yeah, I didn't know exactly. I didn't have a plan. You know, it was something, as I mentioned, was more like a creative outlet, something that I could just feel good doing it, you know. And uh, I didn't really have a, like a goal or something. Oh, I want to have a book about it. I just wanted to, to shoot something that I loved and uh, not worrying about money or, or the pressure of having a business behind it, you know. Because I already had that with advertising. So I just wanted something. But then I needed money. I needed to go back to work. So I kind of couldn't fit both, you know, the project at the time because it demanded more traveling. It demanded going to different cities and shitting other bands. And I didn't have that time and money at the time. So uh, I kind of quit. And then this is one of the reasons I chose the Irish project, because I realized that I could do it wherever I was, you know. It didn't demand anything from me. I didn't demand like a, a team or producers or I could just do it by myself. So it was definitely one of the reasons that, you know, pushed me toward more like, a, you know, shooting portraits and, and lifestyle.
0: Sure. Look, I want to dive right into the Diaries Project in just a minute, but you just said there, looking back at your old band photography, that it's the type of work you're not proud of today. Or you don't think it was great work looking back. When you were shooting it, Did you think it was great work then?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, but that's me, you know, with my work, you know. I always look back at my work and I never feel really proud of it. And This is something I was thinking about lately because I see other people. For example, I used to have a band, you know, and uh, when I listened to the stuff that I used to do, I was a kid, you know, I was like 17. And I feel like, okay, <laughs> I was so mature, <laughs> what I was talking about or writing about, and I think my photography with uh with bands felt the same, you know, I didn't really thought it through, so it was more about experimenting and Trying different things, and at the time, I used to shoot a lot with artificial lighting, you know, like strobes. So, which I look back and say, "Oh man, I wish I didn't do that." <laughs> at <the time. laughs>
0: but at the time, you must have liked it.
1: Yeah, at the time, I think I liked it. Yeah, but I think also carrying lighting and and strobes, it was such a hassle and time consuming that I realized looking back that if I didn't just carry all that kind of stuff, I would probably. Enjoyed more the process and be more creative, you know, instead of worrying about gear and uh, right. I don't know, there are stuff that I like when I look back, but some of it I just feel like, <laughs> no, that's uh, <laughs> that's not what I, what I what I and I think that at the time, part of it I already felt like it wasn't really right, you know, it was okay, it was good for what it was, but it was not something that okay, some of this work didn't really excited me or, you know what I mean? or I do, I do. So like I was doing my best, I don't know.
0: I totally get that, but I imagine, I might be wrong here, but I imagine you still would be glad today that you did the project, that you got started.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do. And when people talk to me about it and people ask me if I'm going to go back to that, I said, yeah, I mean, it was a great time. I had a really great time shooting them. And I love to see my work and exposition, you know, to be shown, to different people i love the idea that i was not getting paid to do that there was not a business part of it i really had a blast doing it and i also yeah i love some of the photography that i did i just find that when we're doing how can i say that without sounding (laughs) strange but i just find that it was too much derived from different photographers you know what i mean
0: So too much influence from other existing photographers?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it derived too much from other photographers' work. So it didn't feel... So for me, if we're having a personal project, even if we we have the kind of influence in our work, we have to at some point start growing and building our own identity and thinking about it and thinking about this throughout the process, you know, so we can kind of maturing so when I look at my work I don't really see like okay this is myself you know this is someone else's work which is done well you know properly done but it's not really my work you know like you know what I mean I
0: do I totally get it because I think every photographer particularly when you're newer you take a lot of influence from whoever's around you or whatever you're looking at and you tend to put that into your own work and you went through that stage but you recognized it
1: yeah and I think I think this is the most exciting part of Having personal projects is going through that struggle of realizing that you start at some point and you have your own influences to get, you know, to start, you know, because you you cannot just like build it from the ashes, you know, (laughs) something that, you know, like, oh, I just had this insight, you know, and I'm so great that I don't have any influence. No, you start from somewhere. But you need to, at some point, start pushing yourself and feeling like, okay, the next step is going to be more, not necessarily better, but more mine, you know, more personal, something that I can relate to. And with that, thinking about the shoots I did with bands at the time, I don't think I really thought about it. It was more about just doing it, you know, (laughs) Just, just enjoying and having fun. But when I look back, I say, okay, yeah, it's good. You know, there's some good work. And I think that the stuff that I like the most is the stuff that I can relate the most with my own identity or with myself, you know. And some of them are not the most technically sound, you know, or the better executed. But they're my favorite because they look like my work, you know. Tell me
0: about the Diaries Project. How was that born? How did that even come to you? (laughs)
1: Well <laughs> it's a kind of a long story I talk a lot so <laughs> That's all right I'd try to go through the process faster At the time I was just back to Brazil it was 2012 and then I, I was just starting from scratch again, you know, people knew me from advertising. So I was working with advertising again. I didn't want to, but I, I needed because, yeah. And then I knew I wanted to do something mine. But then I started sharing the office with a couple of friends They were wedding photographers. And coming from the advertising world and growing up, you know, in that advertising world, I had such a, you know, the wrong idea about wedding photographers, you know what I mean? Because you come from advertising and fashion, which is all about money, glamour and big productions, you know, and you feel like, okay. And then I started sharing the office with these friends of mine, which were amazingly talented, you know, like they were like pushing themselves every day just to do the best, you know, they didn't care about how much money they were making. They just, they were just so excited to do great photography. But that, kind of put me back into the portrait world and reintroduced me to this ridiculously huge world of portrait photography, you know, that I didn't know of, you know. So they introduced me to people like Ferhuaristi, who just, I don't know, changed my way of uh, seeing photography, you know, or, uh, you know, like, or introduced me to wedding photographers, portrait, lifestyle photographers. And at the time I got so, wow, this is great. You know, this is Exactly what I was looking for because it didn't demand any studio or production or whatever, you know. So I knew I wanted to do something related to portrait photography. I just didn't know exactly what. And I never saw myself as a boudoir or a fine art or a nude photographer, no. Never saw myself doing that. But then I started thinking about different reasons why I wanted to shoot portrait. And one of them is that I said I wanted to do something that I would never do and that would push me to, you know, like challenge me, you know. So shooting women was definitely on the list, you know, because it was something that I was not really comfortable. I'm not saying comfortable in terms of not comfortable with women, but it was something that was a subject that I didn't know much about, you know, the kind of photography. So I said, okay, I'm going to start thinking about it. And then I started going through, you know, like, because I, as I mentioned before, I didn't want to just do something to do that. You know, I didn't want just to shoot something I wanted to have some meaning for me you know it needed to be meaningful and and I wanted to kind of achieve something or or as you asked before to have a goal you know.
0: So what was your goal when you started this project?
1: For me it was really about getting to that world that I don't belong you know that intimate world that I'm not part of and put my own vision or my own you know way of seeing it so it was literally all about me you know (laughs) it was not about like, oh, I want to empower women or, you know.
0: And that's the sort of thing I hear from a lot of female boudoir photographers. They're there to empower the women. So you're saying you're not trying to do that.
1: Not really. I mean, I may do it as a consequence, you know, to what I do because I don't portrait them in a sexualized way, you know. So I kind of, I, I portray them as they really are. But also, surely, there is a big part of it that is my vision of what they are, you know, or how I see that intimate world, you know. And this is something that really pushed me to do that because I thought, okay, this is new, you know, it's completely raw. I have no idea how it's going to be, how it's going to turn out. I knew I wanted to work with natural light because I worked with studio most of my life. So I wanted to push myself to work with natural light only, work indoors, you know, not work outdoors because it's more challenging, you know. And also talking about intimate photography, you know, like I feel like, yeah, it makes more sense to shoot indoors. But also, I didn't want to be seen at a time as the guy who just jumped from advertising into shooting naked women, you know.
0: (laughs) Why? Why not? Did you think there was going to be some stigma involved?
1: Not necessarily, you know. But coming from Brazil, where women are generally so sexualized, you know, every day. So we have all these stereotypes of the girl dancing the carnival, you know with naked or semi-naked and uh, we have this culture in brazil like television and everything is it's all about women and sexualizing women you know so i didn't want to reinforce that stereotype like oh i'm just part of that you know i really wanted to have my own vision and and portray that intimate world with my own vision so i always tell this story and this is something that came to me kind of throughout the process not in the beginning But talking to a friend of mine, a very, very good friend of mine from childhood, we were talking about, you know, like, he was asking me why I was doing it. And I started giving him explanations, which I didn't exactly know, you know, like, I didn't have like an exact explanation. So he reminded me of like, when you were a kid, you know, the transition between when girls are part of our world when we're like kids, and they play soccer with us, or you guys call football or soccer. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> either, either. Ah, okay. But I know what you mean.
1: <laughs> okay, so they play soccer with us, and they, you know, run around with us, and they're just like, you know, boyish. You know, like because there's not a kind of separation between sex at the time. You know, when we we're kids, and then suddenly girls become girls at some point. You know, and they they start not sharing anything with us anymore. They started starting only. Well, you know, like walking with girls and talking to girls and we're not invited to that world anymore. And I think for uh, most of us as men, there is this kind of, I don't know, this kind of anxious transition between, you know, being boys that share time with girls and not sharing anymore. And this is probably what is more attractive about that world to me. It's not being in that world. It's about real intimacy, you know. So this is what really... uh, started interesting me. And then I started shooting the diaries, which is basically a portrait, you know, of that intimate world, but throughout my own vision or life experience, you know.
0: For sure. Let me ask you a couple of things here because the start of the, the process or start of the project, that's a really intriguing time for me because here you are, you're coming from an advertising background. You've never done anything like this before. You're married and you say to your wife, And she's not from Brazil, so I guess she's Danish, isn't she?
1: No, she's Brazilian. She's Brazilian.
0: Oh, she's Brazilian. Okay, right. Okay. So I guess then she has been exposed to that Brazilian lifestyle. So was she shocked at all when you suggested that you want to do this project?
1: Not really. It is strange because I had been thinking about it for a while, but I didn't tell anyone. And then one day I just decided I was going to start shooting that. And then I went home. I remember exactly that I went home and we were about to, you know, go to sleep and I told her, uh, hey, uh, you know, remember I've been thinking about starting a personal project, something that I need to. And she said, yeah. I said, okay, so um, I'm starting a project that's portrait of, uh, it's intimate portrait of women, you know, so there might be nudity and everything. And she said, "Uh, are you asking me or telling me?
0: (laughs) That's what I'd be thinking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I said, because we always had this agreement, you know, that we always respected, you know, each other's decision. So she thought I was asking her and she was surprised that I would ever ask her about it because she knows that I know that she would be okay with it, you know.
0: So were you asking or were you telling?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was I was telling in a way that I said, look, we live in a small city so soon people start asking why am I doing it and if you're jealous or not and uh, you're gonna have to deal with it because it's gonna definitely impact your life I mean it's not that people will people know me they know who I am they know my background they know what I'm looking for but they will ask you you know how you feel about it you know and it's gonna annoy you I'm pretty sure
0: <laughs> and did it
1: it did it yeah it did yeah it took her uh, like uh because she always told me, I don't mind. I mean, it's his work. It's just any kind of work, you know, so I really don't care. (laughs) So, um,
0: yeah. But that's what she told. What's your wife's name? Anna. Anna.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Anna told you that or she's saying to her friends, you know, it's just his work, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't bother me. Is that what she was just saying or did she really feel like that? Did it bother
1: her? No, not at all. Never. It never did. Actually, at the time, I think the only thing it bothered her is that I was not making money. <laughs> 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 because we were in a situation where we were just back to Brazil, starting from scratch, struggling to start, you know, like we were living in with my mother-in-law, which she's great, you know, but it was not the right, you know, time to start a project, you know. But it was also one of the things that I told that if we went back to Brazil, I would need to because I would be miserable just doing advertising again. You know? and, then, and then she said, OK, yeah, I'll accept that. So at the time, I was not doing a lot of advertising because I was just coming back, you know. And I was also doing work that I'm not only I was not making money, but I was spending money to do that because I was paying for location, you know, and buying lingerie as you know, like you know, props and everything. So at the time, she was only upset about it; she didn't care at all about me working with women or naked women. She never did. We always had this kind of a very trustworthy, you know, relationship. But she, I think, she was very like upset that people would always ask her, oh, are you not jealous? Or uh, how do you feel? I would never be able to let my husband do this or that. So at some point, she just started telling people like, yeah, yeah, I'm super upset. (laughs) (laughs) Did she? (laughs) Yeah, she did. (laughs) So people would feel more like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I do. Because then the other women would be go, okay, she's normal. It's good that she's upset because I would be.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's what she did at some point. She said, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to, Yeah. But it's okay, you know, it's, it's marriage.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. So, Joan, you got to tell me, so, you know, you get back to Brazil, you've got very little work, and you're pursuing a personal project that's actually costing you money, and you're living at your in-laws. I mean, how did you feel doing this?
1: Uh, it was a tough time. It was uh, not easy at all, you know. You see, uh, you know, people see the kind of stuff, you know, they see photographers, and they always think of how successful they are. You know or, uh, you know, their beautiful websites, you know, and work and Facebook showing. But it was not not glamorous at all. It was really, it was a struggle, you know. And uh, I didn't, because at the time, I want to do something that has my own style. So people will start paying for me to shoot with my own style, you know. It, this is what I had in mind.
0: Commercial clients or private clients?
1: At the time, I, I always thought of commercial clients, you know, because I never sold uh, private shoots, you know. So I always thought, okay, brands and companies will start hiring me to do that. But you know that it takes quite a while, you know? And also, you don't know (laughs) how it's going to turn out, you know? You just imagine that this is going to happen. And that's why I had this project in mind. And that's why I had it, okay, I need to have my own personal style. I need to do something that is really mine, you know, that has my own identity. And uh, it was kind of, it was what drew, you know... Drove me through all the process. But on the other hand, my wife was working part time and we were like struggling to pay bills, even though we were living with my mother in law. It was hard, you know? It was really, really hard.
0: Why even pursue this? Why not say, Anna, this is what I want to do, but I'm going to wait 12 months till we're making enough money? Why did you start then?
1: Because I knew that when I started making money, I would just drop, you know, I knew that. I knew, and I realized, I tell many photographers about it, that people who ask me, uh, hey, I want to start a project. I said, look, I don't think there is any easy way to to really, you know, like start something very personal and break. If Let's say if you're doing, and I always tell myself that, I tell people who ask me, let's say if you're doing something, okay, let's say that you're technically a very good photographer, wedding, portrait, whatever you know and I, I don't give advices to people unless they ask me but <laughs> 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 so let's say you're doing something but you're feeling like okay I'm just a generic photographer you know I just do something that everybody does my photos are beautiful technically speaking but I'm not comfortable because I feel like I don't know that I'm not doing something that is mine you know and I always tell people that in history if you see great artists you know there's, there was always like a Is there a word in English, sorry for my English, like a schism, No. What A schism? Yeah. I'm not sure. Like a, you know, like a, a break point, you know?
0: A breaking point,
1: yeah. So a breaking point, you know, so you need to have that breaking point, you know, it's not always an easy transition between, you know, doing something that is allowing you to make money and then starting to do something that is your own work and And later on, make money out of it, you know? Sometimes you really need to just give up what you're doing to start over, you know? So for me, it was the case, you know? I knew that if I started doing advertising again, it would just take all my time and would give me the money to live comfortable, and I would just stop caring about doing, you know, personal work. I would still feel miserable, but I would be paying my bills, you know. So I I knew, and we had this, I mean, yeah, we had fights, me and my wife know about it, because I said, look, I'm not stepping back, you know. I know this is crazy, you know. It it felt crazy, you know, that I'm not stepping back. I'm, I'm doing it, and I'm pursuing it until... It starts working somehow. I don't know how, but it needs to. <laughs> and it was pretty crazy, you know. <laughs> there was no, <laughs> no glamour at all, you know. It was strange, you know, at some point, because I always saw people that, I think for everybody, you know. For me, it was very special that I had very good friends that helped me through the process, you know. And my wife as well. And somehow, when I started the project, very quickly Faster than I expected and than I wished for, you know, people started talking about my work, you know? And then at the time, there were very little people doing this. Now it's very popular. At the time, it was very, like, you know, there was very, very little people doing, like, this kind of lifestyle photography with nudity, you know? And in Brazil, there was particularly, you know, very little people doing it. So people started showing some interest. And then it opened, and so... Very soon people started asking me for workshops, which was was great because I needed money, you know. <laughs> I needed to work and I, but I didn't feel like I was I was ready at all for workshops, you know, at the time. So I didn't sell workshops, I didn't do anything. I just kept doing what I wanted to do, you know, the project and finding my own voice and doing this. And then only one and a half year after I started the project, I started doing workshops, which helped complementing my income, you know, from advertising and everything. So we started living a kind of a normal life again. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Joanne, I want to take you back a bit and ask you about finding those first models in Brazil and also when you went back to Canada to continue the project. But before I ask you about that, I really want to say a big thanks to the image salon for sponsoring today's show. This is the first time we've had a sponsor for the show and I'm truly excited about it. And more than that, I'm excited to have a company like the Image Salon behind the Photo Experiment podcast because these guys, if I was looking at outsourcing my photography to anyone, it would be these guys. And regular listeners to the show would be familiar with the name, the Image Salon, because Natalie and Jamie, who we interviewed back in another episode on Photo Biz X, they won a competition and were able to send a full wedding to the Image Salon. And their report back on the show was absolutely incredible. It was amazing. If you aren't familiar with the Image Salon and you're looking at outsourcing your work or you wanna try outsourcing, these guys are great. What happens is you register for an account and you'll be assigned a particular editor. You'll be working with that same editor from the very beginning all the way through and they'll work with you to get the look that you're going for with your photography. Now, let's say you, you get assigned to Julie and she's your photo editor. She'll go through your existing portfolio And she'll work with you to create the same look that you've already created. Or you could go to her and say, look, I love the work that Joanne Gader is using. I love the look that Ferweristi is getting with his images. Can we adopt a little bit of what they're doing to my photography? And I want to change the look that I'm going for. And then she will work with you to create that look. It's just phenomenal the way it works. And the beauty is she'll be taking notes. She'll be recording what she's doing. And the next time you go back with another job, you'll go straight to Julie and she'll be looking after your editing. The cost to get started is absolutely minimal. You can actually do a free trial with these guys. You can send five images and they'll put each of those five images through their different processes and show you what they can do. It starts as cheap as $0.33 per image. It's phenomenal. Joanne, have you ever done any outsourcing yourself?
1: Well, I used to outsource all of my editing with advertising. For the Diaries project, I never did because it was a personal project and I didn't have at the time anyone I could really, you know, I didn't know any company that I really trusted to do that. So I did it all myself. Also, how do you say, my shoots are sparse, you know, like I shoot once a month for the diarist project. So I have pretty enough time, you know, to edit my images. But recently I started thinking of doing private shoots. So I, and I editing is not my stuff really. Even though I do it, I feel miserable (laughs) doing it.
0: (laughs) So would you be happy to outsource your work to another company?
1: Definitely. And I already spoke with the guys from Image Salon. They're Canadian as well. And their work is amazing. I met them and they were always helpful. I just didn't have right now enough time because I changed gear. I changed from a Canon Mm -hmm. to Nikon recently. So when we spoke, I was in the middle of this process of changing gear. So I wanted to try something first. With Nikon to see how it was going to work, you know, in terms of looks and everything. And then soon when I start selling more private shoots, I'll definitely outsource it with them. This is the kind of work that I would definitely outsource. When I'm just like catching up with you, like with the images Salon, I'm, I'm not advertising for them, but their work is amazing. It's really great. And I would definitely, yeah, I'll definitely start working with them soon.
0: So why would you outsource instead of doing it yourself?
1: I think, and that's also uh, one of the things that I don't like doing is editing. I mean, I do it, but for me, it's always painful. Uh, I'm not very good at it, so to get to the result that I want, it takes me quite a long time. So outsourcing it would just feel like taking away off my shoulder, you know. But then you need to trust the other person. So knowing that they have, for example, that they have someone that is dedicated only to you that will. Learn your process or understand the look that you want and details, you know, and the pricing is amazing, you know, and not worrying about it anymore would just like give me more time to think about my creative process and taking care of my business and other things, you know, definitely
0: nice nice for you the listener if you want to check these guys out and i urge you to to support the show and also the image salon head over to the imageSalon.com. sign up there send over five images give them a try and see what you think the ImageSalon.com. mate tell me these first models how did you find them and first of all in brazil and then in canada and was there any difference
1: well, yeah, in Brazil, I started when I decided I was going to do the diaries. I spoke with a few friends from the fashion and advertising industry, you know, people who knew me, who trusted me and who who knew I was a serious guy, you know, I was just not just someone trying to take, you know, nude pictures or someone. <laughs> yeah, it was important for me to feel like, that, you know, like people trusted me. So... I had a very good friend that she worked with me as a stylist for many years. And then I told her that I was looking for people for this project. And she said, hey, why don't you work with my sister? You know, she has a profile. She would love to do that. And I can just talk to her and then you can work together. So yeah, definitely. So I started working with her sister first.
0: So tell me, Joanne, when you first met the sister, did you just meet on the shoot? Did you have a chat on the phone first? I just want to know that first experience, because this was the first time you'd shot a nude.
1: Yeah. So her sister had just turned like 18, you know, which is the demand for the project, you know. So and then we sat together, me, her and and me, her sister and her, you know. And I went through the process to explain to her. So I didn't have any photos of mine. So I had some ideas, you know, like uh, references that I had on my computer. So I, I showed them. And what I did is and this is what I do until nowadays, you know. I asked her what she would be comfortable doing, you know? So there was a minimal requirement in terms of, how can I say that? How much skin, you know, that would show. But then there are so many details, like do you use, would you wear like uh, like loungy lingeries or see-through thongs, like this kind of detail, you know? So I went through this process so I could think about styling everything, but also I didn't want to get into the shoot and then say she changed her mind or I didn't know, I would not feel comfortable asking anything from her if I didn't know that she was comfortable doing that, you know?
0: Okay, so you talked about all these things first before you even styled the shoot. You found out where her limits were and then you styled the shoots based on that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I would plan my shoot and I still do that. I plan my shoots based on how comfortable the model is, you know? Right. So, for example, let's say that was the first shoot. She knew me, you know, so I was very good friends of the family. So it was pretty easy because there was a lot of, you know, confidence and, you know, and and trust, you know, between each other.
0: So her parents were okay with her having nude photographs?
1: She didn't do nude at the time. She did only lingerie. But, um, yeah, the parents were okay because... That's the thing. Her sister, she's my age or close to my age, so 30 something, you know? And she was at the time 18, so she was a lot younger. So I really, I literally saw her, you know, like, you know, born and as a baby, so they knew me. So they knew that I wouldn't do anything. Also, there's also with the models that I work with, there is like, they signed the the model release, but we have a word, you know, like a word agreement that I wouldn't release anything that wouldn't make them. Uncomfortable, you know, that would make them uncomfortable. So I choose the images. So, whenever I choose, like, let's say I select the images, I send them the story, how it's going to be, and then they say, okay, I'm okay with all the images, you know.
0: So, if they say they're not happy with an image, will you leave it out or will you try and talk them around to why you think it should be in?
1: Yeah, so yeah, it happened a couple of times. It doesn't happen often, but it happened a couple of times. So, for example, I had girls that asked me, Hey, I'm nude in these images, so could you not post them on Facebook? Because then my family, my grandma, my <laughs> everybody will see. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's no problem, you know. So they will have restrictions for Facebook or for something specific, which I'm more than okay, you know. So for example, I shot once a girl that she was she was studying to be a lawyer, you know? And I asked her if she was okay with that. She said, Yeah, of course. But then she started running to be like, uh, you know, like Miss Brazil or Miss, you know, this you know state and then her coach said that if she had any pictures in lingerie, she shouldn't publish them. So she called me and said, hey, I'm super sorry. I don't know how to ask you that, but I'm trying to be a miss and I'm, you know, like I'm getting to like this, uh, I don't know, pageant. Yeah, that's it. And then my coach said that uh, I shouldn't have these images published. Would you mind taking them off? And I say, yeah, of course, why not? I mean, I I don't want you to, it's my product, you know, and it's not like I'm, you know, so it's important that you're comfortable, you know, I don't want you to be unhappy or, you know, so why would I do that? So I just removed, I mean, everything. I just said, oh, whatever is on the internet or shared by someone, I don't have any control of it anymore, you know, so (laughs) you might still find images that are just lost somewhere in the internet, but uh, otherwise, whatever I publish, I'll, I'll remove, you know. So, yeah, so we go through this process with them all. So the first two shoots, they were pretty, yeah, it was a struggle, you know, like learning how to direct again, you know, like this kind of, it's very different from advertising, working with natural light. Small spaces, choosing the right gear to work there, you know? That was pretty challenging for me. And also, you know, for example, I always worked in studio, so like ISO 100, you know, aperture 16, you know? <laughs>
0: a bit different.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a huge difference, you know? Like, so now i work in with fast ISOs and uh, like 1.2, 1.4, you know, like it was really different. So the first two shoots, uh, there was a lot of miscommunication as well and then from the third shoot I started learning and, and thinking more about the process you know so I kind of yeah I started feeling that my process were more uh, rounded up you know.
0: So do you have anyone else there at the shoot with you?
1: Well I always do so in Brazil I used to have like a, kind of a small team so I used to have like my assistant and someone to help with hair and makeup which I don't do anymore but in the beginning I did uh, so this person uh, hair and makeup And someone to help me with styling, they would take care of all these details and also handle the model, you know, because sometimes you need like a hair, you know, fixed there and you don't know how to tell the model, but they're seeing it so they can go there and help. Here in Vancouver, I shot a few times already. And there were mix, You know, there are a couple of shoots I was alone, which I was not comfortable with. But that is my situation. You know, I still don't know many people here. So I couldn't find anyone to assist me. So I normally tell models to bring someone with them, like a friend. But they didn't. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: So is that a concern for you? you Would you ever consider canceling a shoot if there isn't a third person?
1: Well, actually, I did recently with someone here. You know, gut feeling, you know? Yeah, <laughs>
0: so yeah.
1: This person, she approached me, as all girls do, they approach me and asked to how does it work how to participate in the project and then we met as i do normally you know i meet the girls and i talk to them i go through my process exactly the same process you know i set all the expectations for the shoot how comfortable they're gonna feel or how uncomfortable they might feel sometimes and uh for example if they were shooting nude if she's okay with all kinds of like a nude or if she some girls i say you know what i i'm not comfortable with my breasts i don't want it to be like uh, you know like in front of the camera if that's okay then like we try to find ways you Know, to kind of hide it or cover so I go through all this process and this girl she I don't know she was just too rushed up you know like she wanted to shoot soon and then I sent to her that I didn't have anyone to help and then she said that she would find a friend and then on the day of the shoot she wrote me and I said hey, is your friend going she said who and I said <laughs> um you know it's not gonna it's not gonna work I didn't feel like comfortable you know so I told her no uh, we're not yeah I'm sorry let's do another time you know with someone else but I recently did one with the person she was alone and I asked her many times if she was gonna bring someone she said I'm okay with doing it by, you know alone so I said are you sure because I mean she said yeah because I'm okay as long as she's super okay with it you know I prefer not to, but if she was, yeah, and she was comfortable. It was a pretty good shoot, you know. But I prefer to have someone else there, you know, definitely.
0: Sure. So are most of the women that you're photographing, are they models? Like, how do you find these women to photograph?
1: Yeah, so most of them, they're not models. Some of them, they have some modeling experience, you know. Some of them, never been in a photo shoot before. And, um, sorry, there was a car passing by. <laughs> no, that's
0: okay. That's okay. So how do you find these women to photograph?
1: In the beginning, I was more looking for people, you know, because people didn't know about my work. So I think the first, like, I don't know, six or seven shoots for the diaries, I was inviting people, you know, to be part of it and explaining to them how it worked and everything. And after that, I think with more, you know, visibility on social media, people started approaching, me, you know, from different places which is the case here in uh, in Vancouver, you know, so all girls that I worked with in Vancouver they, they approach me, so they send me messages or they email, they email me and say, "Love your work, I see it as a project, Is it paid or not? How does it work? Is there any requirement and then I go through the process like a, I send them an email explaining how it works, that they need to be over nineteen, that there is nudity, so because they're already approaching me so I normally tell them that there is nudity you know so they yeah they already know my work you know so I go through the process and then if they say okay I'm comfortable with it I'm comfortable with nudity I'm older than 19. So why 19 not 18? I don't know I wish I could just say 21 I don't know I think nowadays I realize that the older they are the that's i mean i don't want them to regret doing it you know what i mean
0: sure yeah
1: i really don't you know it's a lot of exposure so it's my work goes you know to instagram you know tumblr and so there's a huge you know like exposure you know and i really don't want them to regret doing it you know and i go through this process with them say look once the images are on the internet forget about it you know it's (laughs) gonna be there for 200 years
0: (laughs) it's gotta be scary for the women sometimes surely
1: yeah and this is something for i'm 38 you know so i'm not from this generation so i felt (laughs) that it's scary oh sometimes yeah but uh, i don't know they they're normally comfortable with it you know they're super okay with it i think there is a sense of less guilt you know And also the kind of, you know, I'm sorry, it's a cliche, but the kind of empowering theme that women feel like, okay, uh, it's my body. I feel comfortable doing it. So there's nobody to judge me or to tell me not to do it, you know. So I think that's the reason, you know, because I shot girls that they're like uh, lawyers, they're studying to be doctors, or they're marketing managers, you know, in companies. (laughs) And they all like feel... They all feel like great doing it. They all feel, you know. They always feel thankful. They always appreciate the process, you know.
0: What do they get out of the shoot, Joanne? Do they get prints or digital files after the day?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I give them the digital files. In the beginning I was supposed to give them the prints, but prints in Brazil are terrible, you know, terrible. Very, very bad. So I didn't want to give them the prints, you know. So probably here, print's a lot better. So I'm going to start giving them the prints as well.
0: Right, okay. And how many roughly do they get? How many files?
1: Around 20, 25. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 20, 25. So it's their images, you know, as well. So they're part of the project, you know, their rules, you know, so they cannot submit it to magazines without my permission. They cannot sell their work because it's, It's not paid work. They don't own the images, you know, but they can share, they can publish, they can, you know, they can use for professional portfolio as well. You know, They're part of the project, you know, so it's it's their photos as well, yeah.
0: So you've been working on this for three years. Is there a completion date? Is there a time you're going to say, right, this is finished, it's time to move on to the next thing?
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to do this a lot earlier, you know, (laughs) it's really hard to (laughs) detach from it. Right now, I'm starting to... Sell private shoots, you know, with the same style of the Dirish project. Nice. Yeah, it was something that I've been avoiding or postponing it for a long time. Why? I think the same reason I, I did it. You no, know, I didn't want to postpone the project, you no, know, because I always thought that once it became a business or there was money involved, I would, you know, start losing the passion or even the, uh, how do you say, because being a personal project. I feel like I have to prove myself every time. You know what I mean? So there are no excuses, you know? I cannot blame the client because the client didn't, you know, there is no client, you know? I can't blame, I don't know, the mood or whatever because I was not in the mood. It's a personal project. I only do it when I want it. It's all you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there are no excuses. So there's a huge pressure to deliver always like good stuff to me, you know? But also it's what pushes me, you know, to do something better and more personal. I always thought that selling it would be like, yeah, just giving excuses and rushing up the process. But now that I feel like, yeah, I'm pretty much mature, you know, like I feel like my process is already established and I don't need to prove anything else to myself for that project. You know, I think, I mean, I still have a lot to grow, but I don't need to like keep you know proving myself, you know. So I started, okay, maybe it's time to sell it, you know. So possibly the Dyer's project as it is, it will probably end, you know, like as a only a personal project. I might still do stuff that is related to the Dyer's project, you know, or some shoots eventually.
0: So will it be a book or will it be an exhibition? What's it going to be? How will you define the finish?
1: Yeah, I think I would love to have a book, you know. Never felt confident about doing it. I never felt why? that. Why, why, why?
0: Look, the work's amazing. <laughs>
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It's not that I don't find my work. uh, You see, it's not that I don't find, like, I have a solid or beautiful work. It's just that I, in terms of goal, because I think my only goal for the project was to do something that was, you know, mine. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there was, like, that I could be proud of and say, okay, this is my work, you know, like, I feel like something that I created. And for a long time, I felt like, okay, I'm still in the process, you know. I, I mean, I found my way and I know that I'm on that kind of right way, you know, like that I'm doing what I was supposed to, but I didn't feel like I was there yet, you know? So now I feel more like I'm closer you know, to where I thought in the beginning I would be.
0: It would be sad not to see these in a book, you know, or an exhibition or somewhere.
1: Yeah. So now I feel like confident, you know, enough to put that work in a book, but now start the process of finding someone to help me publish it. And also an exhibition would be great. You know, I would love to see these images printed, you know, big. I was speaking at Mystic Seminars this January and it was the first time that I saw my images that big on a screen and it was emotional. (laughs) I always see them on the computer, you know, it was pretty like, wow, really?
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That would have been special.
1: Yeah, it felt like I, I really felt like, wow, is it my work? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah, it felt special, you know. So, yeah, I'm probably, uh, now I'm pretty new in Canada, so I still need to know people from the industry, especially from printing, you know, to know how much it would cost, how to raise money to do that, or if I could find someone to sponsor it. I don't know, you know. Or I could do that in Brazil. In Brazil, there are some laws, you know, like for uh, uh, cultural incentives, you know, for like uh, tax incentives. Oh, okay, yes. So I might be able to get something there, you know, like as well. I don't know. I might be. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to. Definitely.
0: Let me just ask you one or two more quick things before we finish off because I want to be conscious of your time here. These shoots I'm looking at, the photos, are they shot in the girls' or the women's apartments and houses or are you finding these locations yourself?
1: No. Mostly, wow, well, I think all of them. I'm not sure, but I think all of them were shot in places that I found, you know, so
0: also oh, hotel rooms and things like that.
1: Yeah. So very quickly also, because I know that your time there as well.
0: <laughs> I'm good. I'll keep talking to you all day about this.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> Don't tell me that. I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so in Brazil, I used to like I do here, the you know, same way I do here. It's just that I know less people in Vancouver now. So in Brazil, I used to just tell everyone I met that I was, for example, if I met you, you know, on the street and you say, hey, João, just saw your work, man, beautiful, you know, really like it. I would just tell you, hey, you know what, if you know someone has a good place or an apartment or a house or a grandma that has a farm or a country house or whatever, you know, just let me know, you know. So people literally started emailing me or messaging me, say, hey, Jean, I just found this place. I remember you, you know? So I would go. There's always, like, there was always a lot of pre-production involved in divers project, you know? So location for me was always very important, you know? Like, I consider location just as important as the model for me, you know, because it plays such an important role in terms of telling the story and bringing that kind of real mood, you know, because it's all about telling real stories or at least building real, you know, stories that feel real.
0: So why not photograph these women in their own houses or their own apartments?
1: I don't know. Mostly because many houses, they don't look great, you know, where they live or uh, they're small or not with good lighting, you know. They just feel less real than the houses that I find, you know. (laughs) It's strange, you know. So sometimes I would go to the model's house and say, hey, it's nice, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for. In the beginning, there was a lot more... uh, planning involved so I would really literally go through the process of like knowing the model her style and finding something that would either match her style or contrast you know with her style so I could balance something you know like for example having someone with a lot of tattoos in a place that it's true rock and roll would be a little bit of a cliche so I would just bring this tattooed girl to a granny's house, you know? <laughs> so have that kind of contrast and also play with the imagery, you know, like with imagination and how that feel like her and, you know, in the parents or grandma's house, you know? So I did this a lot and it was very important. This is my main inspiration for movies, you know? So it was definitely a lot of pre-production, you know, and thinking about styling and thinking about lighting and how to tell the stories through layers, you know. So this is something that I really brought from my passion for movies. It was a little bit intuitive, but then I started thinking about, about it throughout the process later. And then here in Vancouver, I go, yeah, I find Airbnbs, you know, which is a struggle. <laughs> so because I'm not only looking for a specific look, you know, for the house, so finding the right house that is available for that right time, it can be, yeah, a hassle. So um, it really takes me a while to find the right place. One of the reasons that I shoot less than I wanted, it's because of location. Normally there's, like, there's a lot more models available you know, <laughs> to shoot. Really? Than locations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow.
0: When you find a location, do you come away from there picturing the exact shots that you're going to take in that location and then do you deliver those or do you find when you go back there you do something totally different
1: well yeah this is something also that changed throughout the years you know in the beginning i had a lot of these images in my mind and things that i would think before the shoot. you know and ideas and poses and things that i would plan for the shoot and used to work out well but also it normally became frustrating because you get there and you don't get that result. You know what I mean, no? <laughs> you photographer. Yeah, I do. So whenever you set some kind of expectation, it's an expectation based on something that you saw or a reference or a photographer you admire, and then you get there, you don't have the same model, same location, and why would we do that, you know, anyway? <laughs> but we do that. So later on, I, I stopped looking for references. I stopped. So it's been quite a while since I don't look. I don't look for anything for references before the shoot you know or even days before the shoot i don't look for any ideas or anything i just go there and i know how the place works so i have some ideas you know but it's more like i know what i don't want you know so i normally get there and i it's something that i probably bring from advertising which is you get to a for example to a shoot in advertising and you always get there stressed because you know the limitations you have you know So you have all like space or lighting or the model, you know, you have all these limitations in front of you or challenges that you need to overcome. So you just start like checking out whatever you don't want so you can just stay with what you want. So this is what I do in the shoot. So I get to the place and I say, oh, I don't want this, I don't want this place, I don't want that corner doesn't work for me or that window I need to cover with some black, you know, like sheets or something. So I don't get too much light from that. So only that window. So I get to the place and then throughout the shoot, I kind of started building scenes and poses and feelings from scratch. You know, my shoots are very long they normally last.
0: what two hours
1: <laughs> how much
0: <laughs> i said two
1: oh, times uh four
0: <laughs> get out eight hours
1: yeah they can last for eight hours definitely wow so yeah you take really slowly you know and i take care of like you know like details so moving things around and for example let's say a bed is located in a place that is a little bit farther from the window and i need the lighting is just perfect a little bit closer to the you now i won't mind just moving the bed around and Taking things from other rooms just to build a, the scene to make it more realistic, like you know, like in a, in a film setting, you know.
0: Wow, so in eight hour shoot, how many photos are you taking roughly?
1: Around a thousand photos, you know. Yeah, oh,
0: so you're shooting a lot too.
1: Well, it's not really like clicking a lot, you know, like a wedding photographer or a, like a lifestyle photographer. It's more like, let's say, I have my position there, okay? I don't use a tripod, so I stay there in my position. So normally how I do is, let's say I start from lighting, you know, lighting is very important in my work. So it's all about the lighting in that environment. So I'll find the right lighting and then I'll position myself to build that scene, you know, like that angle or, and to start composing the scene, like let's say the bed, or let's say that there's a lamp or there's a side bed, there's a side table, there's a sofa, whatever, you know. So I'll start from that and say, okay, I need to put more of the sofa there take off the bed a little bit, put the lamp a little bit to the left. So I start really composing it, you know, and how much of the window is going to be in the photo or not be in the photo or how can I hide the window. And then at that point, the easiest way to do that is by clicking, you know. So you click it. Yeah,
0: and then have a look.
1: Yeah, and you see how it looks. So most of my shots are basically to see how it looks, you know, like, okay, no, no, a little bit more, a little bit less, you know like uh, the same process as we do in advertising you know <laughs> so it's something that i learned from advertising it's something that i couldn't quit somehow I, I wish i could just get off you know like get rid of it but in a way it helps me building this kind of ideal images you know like this scenes you know that kind of looks there unfolding in front of us it's because i really built that scene to make it look the most realistic possible
0: it makes me re-look at your work and your photography and appreciate it even more because the photos and the scenes, they look so natural. They, they do look like you've entered into the woman's world and just captured a scene in her life. And I would never know unless you told me just now that not only have you shot that much, that also you've tweaked every little thing in the frame. It's, um, it's amazing. Yeah. My last question to you is favorite lens and why?
1: Okay. So I'll go back to my Canon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you swapped. <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still, I just switched to Nikon. So I'm not sure that I they already love it, you know. <laughs> but um, I shot most of the Diris project with an 85mm 1.2, you know, which is crazy, you know, working in small spaces, but it definitely helps me framing it in a way that shows just enough, you know, and of the scene, you know not distracting the eyes and also getting that kind of more cinematographic frame, you know, that there there are layers and everything. So definitely my favorite lens of all time is the 85 1.2. It's an amazing lens.
0: Nice. Joanne, mate, this has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to sharing this with the listener and getting to check out your work and follow along with you. Mate, just to finish up, what's the next project that you've got your eye on? Is it going to be continuing with this with uh, paid clients?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, had two projects in mind you know first one was also inspired in music and movies you know it's it's gonna take a while so i wish i could just start now because i know this is gonna take longer to complete it which is basically story like a movie trailer i want to tell short stories you know but in different scenes and not necessarily being about portrait all the time but stories that have different kinds of frames, you know? So I want to do something like this. And there is music involved, and not music, but inspiration in music involved in lyrics and everything. So this is something that I want to do. It's been in my mind for quite a while, but it takes like, there's kind of a logistic challenge to it, you know, because places, finding people, location and traveling a little bit. But also because I wanted to start shooting pregnant people you know oh yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> i just find it beautiful you know but with the same style of the Divers project without the kind of the sensuality that it has you know but with the same mood you know the kind of wistful atmosphere you know like solitude so i wanted to do that but then i would like to shoot couples as well you know <laughs> and then i started thinking about a progression of my work so girls and i'm pregnant The couple's pregnant and then older people, you know? (laughs) So,
0: yeah. you got a busy life ahead.
1: Yeah, I don't know how it's going to be. Yeah, they're just ideas. But the pregnant one, I'm probably going to start soon, shooting, you know, this. I don't know how it's going to end up. And also the other one that is, like, stories based on, like, stories that are influenced by movies and telling, like, based on lyrics and music. I would like to just start it now, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know. Yeah, so these are the two projects I have for now.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Mate, where is the best place for the listener to go and check out the Diaries Project?
1: Well, the best place to see the Diaries Project would be my website, you know, because you can see the entire photo shoot, you know. And on Instagram is great because I update it every day, but it's more random. And this is why I maintain it on a website like a blog, even though it's not a blog, but I keep the entire photo shoots there so people can see the entire stories, you know. So I think it's, I don't know, it tells a better story, you know, seeing there. So my website is uh, joonguedes.com, yeah. Fantastic. Yep,
0: Mate, I'll add links to your website and also to your social media profiles in the show notes of this episode for when it goes live. I just want to say a massive thanks to you, mate, for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. I also want to say thanks to the Image Salon for sponsoring the show. If you are a listener and you enjoy this episode, I'd love for you to go and check out the Image Salon sign up send over five images go and test them out and put them to the test and come back and tell me what you think i would love to hear your thoughts on the image salon and and what they can do for you Joanne, again mate thanks so much mate it's been a pleasure
1: thanks so much for having me here it was a pleasure it was a great time thanks so much
0: You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotobizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com.